0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue wire. Think about how it's Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott Dodge the eye of this national championship win.
1: A deep throw by
0: Lawrence, a lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson.
1: Welcome into episode fifty-one of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson, alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. Uh Joshua, it was another really fun weekend in college football. I have to start by saying because I know we ended. The episode last week by saying whose teams would win this week. Obviously, your team won, Ohio State. My team came just short of winning and beating Oregon. Joshua, they they had a last minute field goal. Oregon did I, uh, that I won was, them the game. I was up to watch
0: the second you were that game. So yeah, I was sitting there and I um. So we finished up the show and then uh, a few of us went to get a bite to eat and a couple of drinks and. The game was on the TV, and so I was rooting for your team as we were watching it.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um. Well, good day for you guys, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. I'm um, opening up with a new uh, top 10. There's been some shuffling again. It seems like every week now there's kind of a little bit of a change. So starting off with a new number one this week, and that would be by no surprise LSU coming in the top spot, 8-0 still, followed by Alabama that now slips to that two spot. Ohio State standing there at three, followed by Clemson. Uh, Penn State moving up. Florida at six. Oregon, seven. Georgia, eight. Utah at nine. And then Oklahoma falling to that 10 spot. So my biggest question to you is, is LSU deserving of that top spot right now?
0: Yeah, I I feel like you could give LSU that number one spot. I just, for the life of me, I, I can't understand why Ohio State is sitting at three, though.
1: And I can't either.
0: It, it's it's not. You could point and I, people say it, and people think the Big Ten is down, and I understand it. People don't think Ohio State's truly been challenged, even after the way that they explode in the second half against Wisconsin. We'll get to that. But to me, it's just the way they've been winning games. None of them have been close. Not one game has been no. close. there's not been a single question about whether they would win a game or not. And um I, I just don't know after watching that performance specifically against the best defense statistically in America, how How State was able to pull away, especially running the ball in the second half, that you would say they're not the at least the second best team behind LSU. To me, Alabama's best win right now is Duke. And it's not a great win. <laughs> and um you know, just for the sake of conversation too, I know there's a lot of SEC teams that are ranked, but I think a lot of them are standing on their preseason laurels and and conference perception overall because we got a lot of pretenders. I think Auburn uh, still sitting at 16 or whatever they are is a little bit egregious to me because I don't think they're very good. Texas A&M was ranked too long early on this year. Um, I think Florida's still pretending they just haven't had that true challenge except for LSU, which is a top-ranked team, so obviously they're not going to fall very far. And Georgia uh, had a tight game with Notre Dame, and Notre Dame got the brakes beat off of them. By a Michigan team who a lot of people were, were extremely down on. That game wasn't close. So um, I've got a lot of questions about that conference. And for Alabama to be sitting up there at number two, I think a lot of that is just off of the name because Ohio State's look like the better team.
1: Yeah, I think things are just starting to get really interesting. And obviously, we'll see what happens with Alabama. They have a bye week and then obviously taking on LSU. So that should be interesting. Uh, well, first of all, before we get into the meat of things, uh, I have been shaving for years. I'm one of those like crazy people that. i I have to like shave my legs like every day i know that's weird to say but you know the secret to a great shave it hasn't changed much the Asian greets they didn't need flex balls or heated handles neither do you that is why harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors they focus on delivering what matters sharp durable blades at a fair price so do us a favor check out harry's.com slash blue wire for your free trial today Harry's is uh, a return to the essential, really. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. Just $2 per blade. Harry's, super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on schedule with or without subscription. And there's no risk for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know. They'll give you a free refund. So listeners of this show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You get a weighted handle for a firm grip. And five razor blades with lubricating, strip, and trimmer blade. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. I love that stuff. And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. So uh, we just mentioned this, but LSU battling for a win over Auburn this past weekend. So Auburn falls 23 to 20. Crazy because... The Tigers still haven't won in Baton Rouge since 1999. That's a long time. That is a while. Right? It just goes to show you how hard it is sometimes to play in that environment. And here, look, after really lighting up the scoreboard, overwhelming opponents with just the firepower on offense, LSU did prove that it could grind out a win against a top 10 team. So I guess you can look at that and say, okay, maybe – that's why they boosted them up to that top spot because they could show they could win in a different way.
0: I guess my question is, and I'm I'm gonna be this guy because everybody does it to do the it 10 in the teams that I I talk about, but was Auburn really a top ten team? Like truly. Because they're they're yeah. very good defensively. And I'll give them that. Yeah. Their offense is a dumpster fire. I feel like if they if their offense had to play against Wisconsin, if their offense had to play against Ohio State, if their offense had to play against Penn State, they would get embarrassed. I don't think yeah. they're very good offensively.
1: No, I don't I don't think you're wrong about that. I mean, you look at Bo Nix's numbers again. Again, this is a freshman quarterback. He's gonna be going through growing pains this year, as probably a lot of freshman quarterbacks do. So, you know, other than that, I just there's not much that you can look at on that offense. And I don't think we've ever really talked about the offense being really solid, right? It's always been Oh, the defensive right. front and the D. De- yeah. So it's not really surprising that this is the case now at this time of the year.
0: I don't want to, you know, poo poo Auburn this segment here, but Bo Nix against Oregon completed 41.9% of his passes. Against Florida comp- completed 40.7%. Against LSU completed 42.9%. Like, that's not good quarterback play. I don't care who you're playing against. Like, that's just unacceptable.
1: And and they also had a bye week, I believe, right, yeah. to prepare so for So that's this. kind of the
0: deal for me. Like, and I give LSU all the credit because that was probably one of their most solid defensive performances um, in a game where their offense wasn't as explosive and they had elements and all that. But, I mean, you know, at some point we got to start evaluating these games and not just the names that, the, that are playing them.
1: Right. And until some of these teams start to, to keep losing – you know, games, it's 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 still like, oh, okay, well, they beat a top 10 team, you right. know, and all the credit goes to them. But we just, you don't really know at this point. Yes. So it'll be interesting. And I, another good note on that, because the box score, I think, obviously suggested it was a lot closer than it was, but there were a couple LSU turnovers as well. So, you know, you look at that too, and you're like, okay, that kind of helped out. Yeah. Um. So this is the one that I was just... <laughs> I was like looking up at the the uh TV while I was out this weekend. My friend was in town and we were watching this game at the bar and I just could not believe that Oklahoma was losing. Like I had to like look up there and like make sure that my eyes weren't deceiving me. So they fall to Kansas State. And get this, it was the first home victory for the Wildcats over Oklahoma since 1996. Mm. Just their fourth win over a top Five team, and it also snapped the Sooners' nation-leading twenty-two-game road streak.
0: That's kind of wild.
1: Yeah, I mean that's how dominant like Oklahoma has been, um, in terms of the Big Twelve. But I mean, in, in, when you look at this game, were you as shocked as I was, or am I just no? Yeah, no, I was
0: giving shocked.
1: them more credit than what they deserve. I was shocked. I,
0: uh, I think Oklahoma was uh, one of the best teams in my estimation. And I, I thought that they would be susceptible to a uh, a bigger power within their conference. But Kansas State, absolutely, that was a surprising result to me. And I just, I don't know, because I wasn't fully locked into that game because we had some yeah. games on in that same window. I just don't know where it fell apart because when you look at the stat line and you look at the last, well, really the fourth quarter uh, for Oklahoma, <laughs> they're clearly, clearly the better team. But it just, oh slept. yeah. I don't know where that game went wrong for them.
1: Well, it was too late. I mean, here's the thing. The Sooners had mistakes in this one. And when you make that many mistakes, like, yeah, everybody can try to come back. And some teams succeed at doing that, which the Sooners almost did. They had two turnovers. They had a ton of costly penalties. And then they had two of their defensive guys, their leaders, ejected. Or sorry, one of them. So, you know, you have all these little things that start to add up in a game like that. And Oklahoma is not one of those teams that's invincible, you know. So you have a day like this and things start to add up. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a hole real quick. And yeah, you have Jalen Hurts. He threw for 395 yards and a touchdown ran for 95 yards, uh, three more. But at the same time, you can't just put it all on him. And when you make mistakes as a team, you're susceptible to, to losing.
0: Yeah, you're 100% right with that, and you know, you look at a lot of times the offensive stats, and in a loss like this, they don't truly tell the story because it is a full team game. And I think truly, this was also um, one of the times where we saw this new Alex Grinch defense kind of take a step back and yeah. uh, look a little bit less than average. Uh, because to me, they haven't been, you know, uh, a great defense. They've been a good defense this year, and that's all you need when you're at Oklahoma with the way they can score points, but. Yeah, I mean, Saturday, they were they were a less than good defense, and it really showed how vulnerable it can make that team.
1: Is that a thing where now that they have a loss, and I'm talking about Oklahoma, is that one of those things where you kind of just count them out at this point? Or do you think a one-loss Big 12 team like Oklahoma can still be a playoff contender?
0: You know what the issue is? The issue to me is how many one-loss teams are still sitting there. And I know that, you know, some of these teams still have to play each other and a lot can happen, but this one loss conversation right now is really, really hard to have, especially when you consider that you've got in the top five, those are all undefeated teams. And then, you know, if you really want to take it there, Minnesota still hasn't lost a game and they've got a chance to win a few games. You know, like it's hard to have that conversation about which one loss has an opportunity when we're still really dealing with six, no loss teams from power five conferences that can still make a little bit of noise toward the end of the year here. So the answer to your question is yes, but. Yeah. I think all of these one-loss teams kind of have an opportunity, but you got to just, you know, play the rest of the game, see how things shake out. You probably need a couple other teams to lose some games uh, for you to really have a shot. But, you know, late in the season, it's worse. But, you know, 2014, I was a one-loss team. We made it, so.
1: Yep. No, and, and here's the other thing. Then you, you look at the conference too, Joshua. Oh, absolutely. And like you saw what happened to Texas. Yes. I mean, are you serious? So now they're not even in the top 25. Oh, no. So you start to argue like now, like who even in the Big 12 is worth a damn?
0: Yeah. Well, and that's that was the other thing too. Like we go back to this, this conversation about preseason rankings. I believe Texas was uh, preseason number 10. And that's yeah. why they're able to hang around with the two losses they had. And one was to LSU. Oh, my gosh, a great loss. And the other one was to Oklahoma. Oh, my gosh, a great loss. And then you see them get into a dogfight with Kansas, who is absolutely terrible. And then they end up losing to a TCU team. That's just really not good this year. So you you do have questions about what's going on in that conference.
1: Well, here's the thing. When you're selling online, getting your orders out, it can be a real pain. I don't do anything like that. I just, I can't do it. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to manage your ship orders. Uh, ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keeps your customers happy. So no matter what you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, a ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. Now, no wonder why ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You can ship more, less time with the best available rates. Right now, press pass listeners, you can try ShipStation for absolutely free. 60 days, and all you need to do is use the offer code BLUE. That's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click on that microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in blue, that is ShipStation.com. Enter the offer code BLUE, ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. So this weekend, you got to really uh see some good games. And I don't mean good games in the way that they were close, <laughs> but good no. games in the way that you kind of really started to see what was going on with a few of these teams, starting with Ohio State. Uh, it continues to be a theme here that they are pounding teams. Uh, they're taking care of business. And I don't really think there should be many questions about this team at this point, regardless of if you think they've played a hard schedule not or not, because you could look at Alabama and say they've not played a hard schedule and look at them. They've they've stayed in the top spots. So running back uh, J.K. Dobbins and defensive end Chase Young were definitely the stars on Saturday. I mean, first of all, Chase Young is an absolute beast child. He had four sacks. I think he, like, did he force, like, two fumbles?
0: I can't remember if it was one or two, but, yeah, he, uh, he yeah. knocked the
1: ball out. I mean, this guy's, like – Insa- this guy is insane Joshua like how much fun is it to watch this dude
0: And yeah, I'm I'm really proud of him just because I know the the character that he has yeah too, like, just a genuinely really really good guy who is probably the best defender in America and maybe the best overall player in America I make an argument that he is mm-hmm. just on a quick aside you know talk about Justin Fields and his performances this year and they've you know he's been the Heisman conversation J.K. Dobbins proved in that game that he was the best running back in the Big Ten, potentially best in America. And Chase Young, obviously, the way that he played. You got three guys on that team who are legit Heisman contenders. But if you're Ohio State, you got to think that if you truly want to bring the Heisman Trophy back to Columbus, you got to go on a campaign for one of your offensive players because regardless of how good Chase Young is, nationally, a defensive player doesn't have a chance to win that award.
1: Yeah, that's, but can you can you tell me this? Why why is that a thing? Because in my opinion, when I have looked at the Heisman winners over the past few years, you might as well just make it the Heisman quarterback race.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting, right?
1: I, I don't, but I don't really agree with it. Why are we saying then in that what because that's what. History has shown us that you can only really win it because, you know, that's who gets the most love. I mean, I don't know if it should really come down to that. Why don't, why can't, why can't the mold be broken?
0: Well, and I, I, I truly don't understand, but I do because if I read you, Jalen Hurts stats from this weekend, 390 yards passing and 95 on the ground and four total touchdowns. It's a lot. And he touches the ball every place. So he has the ability to do that jk dobbins was probably the best offensive player in that game ohio state versus wisconsin he had 163 yards and two touchdowns it doesn't sound as explosive and as exciting as you know almost 400 through the air and another 95 on the ground and four touchdowns if i tell you chase young you know his sack total four sacks and you know five tfls and a forced fumble that's like throwing for 700 yards in a game but four and five and one aren't very exciting numbers compared to 400. And it's just, I think it's just the way we think about the stats and not necessarily how 163 yards on the ground is is more impactful than 163 through the air, or that four sacks is more impactful than 400 yards passing. And until we can start thinking about stats for what they truly mean in the context of a game, I don't think people are going to give running backs and defensive players and wide receivers as much credit as they deserve?
1: You know what I always look at, and I know this is not the way to look at it, but I always think of things differently because I cover both college football and the NFL. I always think of it like this. like I go back and I look at some of the Heisman winners over the years, and I know we're only strictly talking about college, clearly, when you're winning the Heisman. But I always like to go beyond that, and I'm I like to go back and say, "Oh yeah, he won the Heisman." But what exactly is he doing in the NFL now? Sure. Uh, nothing. Sure. Like it's I know that's not the way you you look at it when you vote for the Heisman, but I always like to go back and do it cuz I always am like, oh, "Okay, well, he might have been a good college player and that's great, but like in in the in the full scheme of things, don't we always want to see those good college players go on and have like good NFL careers?" Isn't that yeah. kind of the dream? I think-
0: I think like the award truly, because I I get where you're going with this, because I think, for example, once Dwayne Haskins gets in a stable situation in an offense with a head coach and a coordinator that truly want to develop his skill set and put him in a place where he can succeed, I think he'll be a great pro. Oh, yeah. And in saying that, he was third in the Heisman voting. He had probably some of the best stats, but he wasn't the most exciting college football quarterback to watch a year ago. I think he's got the best pro potential. I think he had the best stats last year. And, I mean, that's not I think. It's he legitimately 50 touchdowns. I mean, what are we talking about? So, yeah. it, you're right. Like, it's it's different when we evaluate these players. Like, are we truly picking the best, most skilled player? Or are we picking the the most exciting to watch, the most important to their team type situation? Because I think those are two different things.
1: Yeah, no they are and I know like it is what it is and I mean I I don't have a say. I'm not a Heisman voter, but I I just like to bring up those points because I look at guys from USC that have gone on and not really had great careers, you know, in the NFL. And I'm talking about quarterbacks specifically out of USC. Right. Um right. and then I even a guy like Marcus Mariota. Look, I'm I'm I like Mariota as a guy, but he's sitting on the bench now in Tennessee. Yeah. He's like 26 years old.
0: He was in a really good situation to win the Heisman though in college because you know it just the same way I do, but really explosive offense, had some weapons around him and his conference isn't necessarily known for playing the best defense. So
1: yeah, you know, he's,
0: he's a really exciting player. I played against him. I thought he was really, really good, very deserving of the award. But at the same time, when you're evaluating, like, is this guy like the prototypical quarterback that's going to be successful? Like, ah, I think he's a really good athlete. He could throw the ball to some receivers that were wide open a lot of times because of the scheme and how good those players were compared to players they were lining up against. Like, it's it's just interesting to think about it.
1: No, it is. It's I, I just wanted to kind of, like, expand that conversation a little bit. But getting back to Ohio State, so here's the thing. Do you just think Wisconsin just completely had their confidence, shot it when they lost to Illinois, and now they're kind of just no. not I, – play? I just – I don't know how to describe – or are they just not that good?
0: I'll, I'll I'll tell you it's it's a combination of things so okay offensively Wisconsin has never been um, a great offense they've always been a good offense who knows how to manage what they do they have a, a star running back and a quarterback who typically doesn't make mistakes and O-line who's usually been solid. and that's what they were in the first half of that football game if you really truly think about it like neither offense was really moving the ball both defenses were shining You know, the the quarterbacks weren't making a ton of mistakes. They just weren't making a lot of plays. Like, it was one of those old school type games. The second half truly could not block anybody at that point. Like, run game, pass game. You know, D-line was getting through. Linebackers were making plays. DBs were locking them down. And Jack Cohn is not a quarterback. And I said it uh, last week, around this time. I said he's not a quarterback that's going to go out there and drop a bunch of dimes and win you a game throwing the ball. And to that point, he had 10 completions. He threw for 108 yards. It's not going to cut it. Nope. And when you hold Jonathan Taylor to 52 yards on the ground, your offense is done. They had less than 200 yards of total offense. Like, that doesn't get the the job done. Defensively, I think Wisconsin is still a great defense. But Ohio State broke them. And it was specifically one run uh, on the second half of the game. J.K. Dobbins' stiff arm, Chris Orr, like, knocked him to the ground just like, like put him through the dirt and then at the end of the play he stiff-armed somebody else in the back end of their defense and it's demoralizing to get stiff-armed like that but also oh yeah it was a gain of like 10 or 15 yards and that doesn't happen to wisconsin at all and you look at what ohio state did like 264 on the ground wisconsin doesn't allow you to do that and so i think ohio state just wore down and wore down to the point where they wanted no more in that game and i think we can do two things is number one, we can say, you have to evaluate Wisconsin against a performance against a top team, but you have to take it with a grain of salt because I think Ohio state does this to just about anybody outside of the the top five in America. Like they will do that to anybody and maybe a couple of teams inside the top five of America, they would play like this and embarrass them. But the other thing that we can do is we can take Wisconsin out of that great teams of college football this year. Yep conversation put them in the good teams and i think they'll get a good bowl game i think they would win their bowl game in a a matchup against maybe some of these teams in the sec that are probably on their level but we're done talking about them being great because the way that they kind of especially in the second half the way that they just look demoralized like your great teams don't do that
1: no no absolutely i think they've definitely lost a lot of that confidence a a team that's gained confidence joshua is definitely and I know you don't like talking about them, but I don't either for some reason. But Jim Harbaugh and Michigan, they are gaining some confidence and went in and absolutely beat up Notre Dame, which I kind of was given some credit to this season, which I usually don't. And for any, if anything, this this has given Jim Harbaugh, you know, the, the boost he needed, this team the boost they needed heading into November. The biggest thing in this game that I saw is that the O-line is really starting to come together. They ran for 303 yards and it, it looks like they're trying to get things done here on the ground. Now, that was a rain that was also like a rainy game and yep. it, it was like one of those games where like okay, you got to pound the rock, but they did it successfully and all that matters is they came out with the victory.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's I agree with you 100% like that's the thing that you look at Notre Dame and say like you knew what Michigan was going to do. You knew what they had Mm -hmm. to do. They had to run the ball because their quarterback, number one, is not um, an elite quarterback. But number two, it was a monsoon. Like There's no other option except for run the damn ball. So they they wore them down. I thought Notre Dame was susceptible. I didn't think they were this susceptible. I thought it was another situation where we compared them to how they played against Georgia and how close that game was. And we gave them a lot of laurels based off of that. Well, now we realize Georgia is not the team we thought they were. Clearly Notre Dame's not. And and so here we are evaluating. I think Michigan has improved, but again, like they got blown out in a game against Wisconsin. Then they got in a game with Illinois, who Illinois is going to be a bowl eligible team this year. Um, they're playing with so much momentum right now, but gave up 25 points in one quarter to them. And then you come out here against the Notre Dame team who has played well, but you, you always had questions about how good of a team they really were and they steamrolled them. But what do you take away from that estimation? Like, how do you truly evaluate this game for Michigan? And so to me, 45 points is hard to do in a game. It's hard to blow anybody out in a game. It's hard to run for as many yards as they did in a game. So I give them all the credit for that. But I'll be curious because Shea hasn't thrown the ball very well. And, and you know, the rain and everything, I understand how that plays into it. Uh, they only attempted 12 passes and he completed six of them. And I know that's not uh, something that would happen in a typical game, but I'm just curious yeah, where they see the direction of this offense going because early it wasn't they couldn't run the ball and now it's they right. can run the ball, but can they really throw it? Like, who is this team really going to be?
1: Yeah, it's it, it's it's like they're they're getting better, but at the same time, it's always kind of changing and keeping you like questioning, like you said, mm-hmm. what is the real identity? What what I do wonder though is I don't know when you play. So obviously, the big rivalry game at the end of uh, the regular season, Michigan and Ohio State. When you play a team that's your rival, don't you want your rival to be at their best because you want to say you beat that Michigan team when it was its best? So at this point, do you kind of root for Michigan to continue to roll so that Ohio State is going to play the best Michigan team that it can play?
0: Well, let me put my Big Ten network cap on for a second. Okay. Um, for all the Big Ten teams to be successful in every game that they play, because it is good for our conference. Now, yeah, let me take my BTN cap off. Michigan (laughs) has not they haven't been good against Ohio State in years. And Ohio State fans still take a ton of pride in it. To me, I want I want a, a good or great Michigan team, me personally, to come in because I want the I want games of consequence at the end of the year. Number one, and I want the rivalry to truly mean something on a national landscape like this is the greatest rivalry in all of sports and I want people to treat it as the greatest rivalry in all of sports and and so for me, I think there's a point of pride in beating a great Michigan team like last year where Ohio State maybe wasn't supposed to win that game and they went and blow they, they blew Michigan out but I'll say this on the flip side of it if Ohio State's the only good team in the big Ten and they can win all of their games, that's good for Ohio State, and it's good for the Big Ten's playoff chances because we're seeing what Clemson's doing right now, and as much as people want to poo-poo them, if they go undefeated, you can't leave I them know. out. You have to put them in. And so do you want to have a good conference where you maybe you have a little margin for error because you can lose a game and people still think you're a good team and you, know, you have some impactful wins? Sure, but it doesn't matter. Clemson will have zero impactful wins, and they will be in the playoff if they win all their games because winning matters.
1: Yep. That's what it comes down to. Well, before we uh, wrap this one up, I wanted to get to some good stuff from the gridiron. And this week, I am such a fashion person, I've realized, Joshua. So I was in the Titans locker room this weekend after a win over... Um, oh my gosh, I'm like blinking. <laughs> this is how tired I am. Um. So the Titans get a win this weekend. And I'm in the locker room. And I've got my... Um, like my black on, like my, like all black, you know, cause it was just like one of those cloudy gay days. And I decided though, I needed like a little bit of pop of style. So I, I got these new like leopard print boots. And so I had like the black going on with the leopard print boot, like just to make a pop. And I, I always take sense of style in the locker room and, and the Titans always have, they've got some great like style in there, especially the secondary. I sure. uh, always got the style going on. I got like five compliments on my outfit, Joshua. There you go. I mean, great. I was like, I'm really starting to feel like I've got the swag, you, know? you know?
0: what? And you should embrace it. Yeah, my, uh, I did. Our guy, Dave Holmes, tweeted me and said that I'm the best dressed guy on Saturday. Did he? Yes. So I, I take pride in it too. You you know this, but I am a fashion guy. Like That is one thing that I, I want to look great every time I go out there to do my job Dave Holmes gave me the thumbs up so I really do appreciate that but yeah I mean you you need to absolutely embrace the little pop of color you know what I'm saying get your compliments on
1: yeah I always feel like in by the way uh, Tennessee beat Tampa Bay but anyway when I always have to like I feel like I have to up my game in there I'm so competitive in everything in life and I don't even know why this is even a thing because these are national football like league players, they have millions of dollars, but yeah, I always feel like I have to like step up my fashion game when I <laughs> when I'm in there because there's so much great fashion. But anyways, that gets me to the point that I was trying to bring up. So Dabo Sweeney was sporting this pink blazer after um, the game, and he's he's such a weird dude. I've met him in person. He's funny, uh, but he's like up there and he's talking and everything and. He's like, "Hey, yeah, this thing was 49 bucks at Belk's if anyone needs one. Shout out to Belk's." And then he goes on and he was like, "But, you know, we love we love Belk's and all, but we don't really want to play in your bu- your bull game." But I was just laughing because I was like, "These coaches are really like almost as unique as players can be mm-hmm. at this point because they're all trying to be their own guy, too. Like, they've got their own style, they've got their own kind of personality and I, I feel like they're now competing to be like coaches that stick out in well, terms of that kind of stuff as well.
0: Shout out to Dabo for, for trying to be a old, you know, aw shucks guy. I paid $50 for this one at Belks. <laughs> if he's not on a $93 million contract. Like, right. He doesn't have a closet full of custom suits, but I mean, good for him. <laughs> and there ain't nothing wrong with wearing a little uh, pink blazer though. And uh, being a guy who's lived in North Carolina and Tennessee, like, Belk is probably one of the best department stores in America. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, like people in here, you know, over in Ohio, we like Macy's or whatever. Like if you're going for one of those like more affordable department stores, I'm going for Belk every time.
1: I know. You know, I didn't even know what Belk was until I moved uh, to the South the second time, which this this is my latest living down here in the South here in Tennessee. But I didn't even know what it was. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Then they had the Belk Bowl and I was like, oh, this is actually like a legit department store. So I thought that was funny. But then it brought me to I saw PJ Fleck um on a post game, you know, some post game show. And he I started to realize, does he wear that tie and like a buttoned up collar like for every game?
0: He wears the tie, yeah, button up shirt and then he has a pullover on yeah. the top of it every game. And uh PJ also I've noticed him a lot because being a fashion guy, PJ wears nothing but custom suits. And every press conference he does during the week, he's custom suited top to bottom. You know, Ryan Day's thing, which I've noticed, is either a a quarter zip, like pullover type situation where he wears a collared shirt and a vest, uh, like a zip up vest over top. PJ is full top to bottom custom suit every time he goes into the presser. And he, I mean, he's so confident. He wears it like a champ. And I I do appreciate that.
1: Yeah, no, I just think it's funny because I think sometimes... We forget – like coaches have their own kind of swag too. And yes. the guy that makes me – the guy that sticks out the most to me, and I don't know if you'd call this swag, but it definitely like is embedded in our history, is Jim Trestle. Yes. And the yes. sweater, right? Yeah.
0: Abs- well, it's, I like, mean, it's like Bill Belichick wearing a, a daggone sweatshirt, to cut off exa- on a cutoff. Exactly. A off hoodie. There. It's, yep. it's their, it goes with their personality. It's who these people are.
1: Yeah. So as much as we we always give like players credit for – you know their their outfits and kind of their style i gotta kind of give the coaches a little bit of credit for going out there because i mean if i were a coach i'd definitely probably like have my own thing
0: you know how i'd be i'd be out there suited and booted
1: oh yeah you would be (laughs) (laughs) for every game uh well (laughs) that's a wrap on episode 51 of press pass so joshua we uh I know that you've been busy on social media, especially Twitter and it, like weekends, you're just always on there and yes. interacting with the fans and everything. So if the people want to go and follow you on social, where do they go? They can go to at
0: RIP underscore JEP. I'm having, we're at, this is the best time of the year for some Twitter conversations too, because you know, we're getting games of consequences, getting late in the season. We're figuring out opinions about teams and conferences. If you guys have any questions, if you have any comments about any of the games, and specifically SEC, Big Ten, I watch a lot of those, but even national games, ACC, Pac twelve, Big, Ten, tweet me. Let's let's talk about
1: it. Let's have a conversation. Tweet him. Start a, I mean, even start like a little bit of a riff. I'm all for it because those are like the best ones. Absolutely. Uh, you can go and follow me at, at Kayla Anderson TV. Also, if you have not subscribed to Press Pass, go ahead and do it. You just click on iTunes, you type in Press Pass, you subscribe, and then if you're there, you might as well give us a rate and review, and it's five stars. If you could hear that, that's my dog in the background, by the way. Um, don't mind him. He's 90 years old and still um, going, <laughs> And we'll still be going next weekend with another episode of Press Pass, but for now... Enjoy a, a good weekend of college football and good luck to your guys' teams.
0: For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the
1: ones who know we're tougher together. For the Pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickranger.com or just stop by. Granger